the thief comes not except to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that you might have and enjoy life, life in abundance until it overflows. Discover how to live the abundant life in Christ through the ministry of Pastor Oseyao Afwakwa. Pastor Afwakwa is the founder and general overseer of Embassy of Life Chapel, a thriving ministry headquartered in Kumasi with a network of churches in Kumasi and Accra, Ghana. God has commissioned him to train believers through the teaching of the good news of the kingdom to know God better, live life better, and impact the world better. Get set for an empowerment that will enable you to live a life of all-round victory, success, and limitless prosperity. God bless you as you listen. Come with me to Ephesians chapter 2, verse 19 to 22, Ephesians 2. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers. Somebody say, I'm not a foreigner. Not a foreigner. All right, consequently. Now, now if, if, if we, were, we had gone the way we were going with Ephesians and then had come here, you would have appreciated the reason why he said consequently. But it will still go back and we'll connect it. So later you'll appreciate But I need to jump up. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household. Somebody say, I'm a member of God's household. Verse 20, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. Verse 21, in whom the house is, in whom the whole building, somebody say the whole building. The whole building is joined together and rises. Did you see the word rises? Did you see the word rises? Rises. Rises. It's not risen. It is rising. Praise God. It is ri- it rises. And it's still rising. That's what it means. It rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. Verse 22. And in whom you two are being... You two are being... You two are being, you two are already built. You two have been finished. You two are being built. Please take note of those words because I may not have the time to uh, walk you through them again. So the word rises to become. It's it's a present continuous tense. Rises to become. All right. Together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. Somebody say he lives in me. Okay, come with me to Matthew chapter 16 and verse 13 to 20. Matthew 16, 13 to 20. When Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Who do men say that I, the son of man, am? So they said, Some say John the Baptist, some Elijah, others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. He said to them, But who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered and said, You are the Christ, the Son of a living God. Jesus answered to him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. Verse 18, let's read it together. And I also say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church. And the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. Verse 19. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And whatever you lose on earth will be loose in heaven. Then he commanded his disciples that they should tell no one that he was Jesus the Christ. Spirit of God, help me today as your word is released. To bring impartation and blessing to your people. In Jesus' precious name. Amen. Okay, so I'm teaching on a series caption, Understanding the Local Church and Your Role in It. Understanding the Local Church and Your Role in It. Understanding the Local Church and Your Role in It. I think the role there, guys made a typographical mistake. The role, R-O-L-E, not R-I. Understanding, somebody say Understanding. The local church and your role in it. Okay, so 
The local church is despised by many people. There are people who speak ill of the church. They, they, they don't care. They don't give a damn about the church. They don't mind the church. They, they are simply there. Unbelievers don't have much regard for the church and its leaders and what is its purpose and calling is about. There are some Christians also, because they are unlearned, they've also not come to appreciate the value and the place of the church. And we want to be able to understand the church. What is the church? When we talk about the church, really what do we mean? And then, what is this purpose? What is this mission? What is my own role in the church? Because once you become a believer, there are values you must learn to cultivate and develop. Now, the word church was first used by Christ. He was the one who used it first. The word church was mentioned by Christ in the book of Matthew. In the four gospels, the word church was used only twice. And the two times the word was used, was used by Jesus Christ. The first time he used it was in the book of Matthew. Matthew chapter 16 verse 18 where we just read he said i will build somebody say i will build i will build my church and the gate of hell shall not prevail against it then the second time the word was used was also in the same book of matthew but this time matthew 18 verse 17 and we'll look at them in its proper context and have a better appreciation but the word church is not a tree word or a house word it's a greek it comes from a greek word and the word from which we have the word church is ecclesia. Ecclesia. Somebody say ecclesia. ecclesia. Say ecclesia. ecclesia. Now, ecclesia simply means a called out ones. The called out ones or the called out people. Ecclesia means a gathering. That's what it means. Ecclesia in Greek means a called out people. The church is a called out people who belongs to God. That is what the, what the church is. The church is a called out people. He's called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. He's delivered us from the power of sin and has brought us under the power of righteousness. That is the church. The church is a called out people. A people that have been set apart unto God. That's why in the, in the pieces, the church or Christians are identified as saints. That is what it means. Look at the word. The Old Testament was written in Hebrew, but if you check the Greek translation of Deuteronomy chapter 44, verse 10, the word assembly is used there. Look at that. He said, remember the day you stood before the Lord your God at Horeb, when he said to you, assemble, somebody say assemble, assemble the people before me to hear my words so they may learn to revere me as long as they live in the land and may teach them to their children. Assemble my people. Somebody say assemble. assemble. Assemble my people. So the church is an assembly of people that have been called out unto God. That's what the church is. Now, there are two ways, like I said, that the word was used. The first time it was used, Jesus used it. He said, I will build my church. Now, I want us to go back to Matthew chapter 16 verse 18 because the way it's used there is different from the way it was used in the other sense. So we can get some context and appreciation of the truth. Look at that. Also, he said, you are Peter and on this rock I will build my say my I will build my he didn't say I will build my churches. Please take note. I will build my church. Singular. I will build my church. The Bible says in the book of Ephesians, it says there is one body. I will build my church. Okay? Embassy of life is one of the churches. It's not the church. There are people I know who believe that a particular denomination is the church. There's nothing like that. Praise God. When the word church is used, I'll show you what it means in that context. When he says, I will build my church and the gate of hell. There are two things that will help us appreciate this. He said, I'll build my church and the gate of Hades shall not prevail against it. Shall not prevail against it. So, it's critical that we appreciate what he's talking about here. The word church as is being used here, it means anyone who, is, who has placed faith in Christ and has become a born again child of God. That is, it refers to all believers in every age and place. All believers in every age and place. Please, can you uh, uh, give the notes on? Yeah, that's it. 
It refers to the universal church. Somebody say the universal church. As I'm explaining, I'm also introducing another term. The universal church. Somebody say the universal church. All believers. When we talk about universal church, we are talking about all believers in every age and in every place. The global body of Christ. When you come to Ghana, all Christians, when they were doing the census, uh, when there were those who indicated they are Christians, I know many of them, it's just like that for uh, records, but in reality, they are not. Now, all of such people are part of the church, those who have played, genuinely placed faith in Christ. So, when you look at ICGC, Christ Embassy, Lighthouse, Embassy of Life, Witness, all of us, we are the church. And then you have the church in the U.S., all Christians in the U.S., all Christians in Asia, all of us together form what we call the universal church. Somebody say the universal church. Okay, so that is a context because, you see, it is only the universal church that the gates of hell cannot prevail against. Yeah, it's the universal church that the gates of hell. There are local churches, even COVID has prevailed against them. There were churches that were churches before, after COVID, they are no longer a church. If you check the book of Revelations, in the book of Revelations, there were seven churches that were named there. The church of Pergamos, the church of Ephesus, the church of Titeria, the church of Sardis, the church of what? Laodicea. All of those churches, they used to be actual churches. But today, they are no longer present. In fact, where they used to be is predominantly a Muslim area. So, it cannot be a local church. When he says, the gate of hell shall not prevail, he's not talking about a local church. It doesn't mean that the gate of hell that does not seek to undermine the work of a local church. But that context should tell you that he's talking about a universal. Somebody say the universal church. Say the universal church. One popular author on church growth and church matters, Tommy Rayner, he says, I says that somewhere between 8,000 and 10,000 churches close every year. Every year. Every year. Every year. You know, the U.S. and the West are places where they have, they work with statistics. Statistics. Here, we don't have records, so <laughs> things just uh, happen. There were, in fact, in Europe, for instance, U.K. in particular, there were places that used to be churches. Today, they are warehouses. They've been bought. Some of them have been converted to mosques. So when we say the church cannot, the gate of hell cannot prevail, and it should also tell us that as a local church, if we don't do the things that God expects us to do, we can lose our relevance. Praise God. We can. All right, so that's it. The first use has to do with the universal church. Somebody say the universal church. Okay, come with me to Matthew chapter 18 and verse 15 to 17. Matthew 18, 16 to 17. Moreover, if your brother sins against you. Now, please take note. He's speaking in the context, in the right context. If your brother sins against you, you do what? Go and tell him his fault between you and him. Oh, talk to me. Between you and him. Ask your neighbor, is that what you do? When you're offended, is that what you do? Yeah, but the Bible says, when you're offended, this is how you resolve it. This is how a Christian resolves offense. Your brother sins against you. Go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. Huh. Sometimes the reason why people defend themselves and they will not accept their limitations is because you have told everybody else except them. He's the last person you are coming to tell. And now to pride, which has not died because some flesh is alive, he will tell you that I didn't do it. If he hears you, you have gained your brother. Please follow the context. When you are doing biblical interpretation and exegesis, context is everything. Praise God. There are times where people pick scripture out of its proper sitting and they explain it anyhow. He said, but if you hear him, you've won your brother. Verse 17, if you will not hear you, take one with you, one or two more, that, but the mouth of two or three witnesses, everywhere there is, may be established. Verse 17, look at verse 17. He said, if he refuses to hear you, tell it to where? Tell it to where? Obviously, this cannot be the universal church. You, you understand what I'm saying? Yeah, you can't go and... Where is the universal church? Where will you find it to tell it? Praise God. Yeah. So, this has to do with the local church. It's, he's dealing with familiar faces. So, he says, you are offended 
take one from amongst your brethren, go sort it out. If it doesn't work, tell it to the church. Just like uh, uh, the drama was showing. They, they brought the people before the elders of the church and they wanted to seek some clarification and understanding. That's what it means. So, by this understanding, we see that there is the church global and there is the church local. Somebody say the church global. The church local. Now, Apostle Paul in his letter, you know Apostle Paul, you, by now you know Apostle Paul from our experience in Ephesians, you understand who Apostle Paul is, the all-time church planter of the New Testament, the greatest author of the New Testament, the man who laid down his life, hazarded his life for the cause of Christ, Apostle Paul. He wrote in the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 1 and 2, and he brings out the picture of the church universal and the church local very well. Look at this. If, uh, First Corinthians chapter 1, verse 1 and 2, New King James Version. Paul, called to be an apostle of Jesus Christ through the will of God and sustenance, our brother. Verse 2. Let's read. To the church of God which is at... Please take note. To the church of God which is at Corinth. That's a local church. A localized church. The church of God which is at Corinth. To those who are sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints... That is so. The first, the first group he's addressing the letter to is the church of God at where Corinth. Now you will also see it. Then he says, "To those who are sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints, with all who in every place call on the name of Jesus Christ, both uh, call on the name of Jesus Christ our Lord, both yes and ours." So you see the two categories of people. He's talking about the local church in Corinth. And he's talking about everyone who names the name of Christ in every place. That's it. That's the universal church. So, you see, anybody you meet anywhere who says he's born again and he has accepted Christ Jesus as your Lord and Savior, be the person white or black, yellow or green, he's your brother. Praise God. He's your brother. Now, if somebody that distant can be your brother in Christ, how much more must you see someone who is in the same place of fellowship with you? How much more? The one who is very far away from you because he has placed faith in Christ. He's your brother. Then one who sits on the same pew with you, on the same uh, lane or row with you in fellowship. Who is he to you? That's your brother as well. Amen? Okay. The local church is very important and you as a believer must understand the place of the local church. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11 and 12. Now these are the gifts God gave to the church. The apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. Now, apart from the church being a medium, a basis in which interpersonal relationship among believers are forged, the church is a vital medium for spiritual growth and the edification of the church, of the people of God. The Bible calls the church the pillar and ground of the truth. And when truth is taught, people grow in the knowledge of God. People grow in the reality of who they are. People rise up to fulfill their destinies in Christ. The focus of this first part of the teaching is to walk you through 10 important, 10 great truths about the church you must never forget as a believer. As a Christian, these are fundamental truths you must appreciate. And I, I hope that you, someone is taking key notes about the things I'm going to share with you. Number one is that the church belongs to God. Somebody say the church belongs to God. Belongs to God. 10 great truths every Christian must know about the church. Somebody say these are truths. I must know about the church. Yeah. And when you know the truth, you need to walk in the knowledge of the truth. One, the church belongs to God. The first time Jesus spoke about the church, he did not say he will build Pastor Fuakwe's church. He will build a, a Pentecost church. He said, I will build my church. Somebody say my church. My church. Say my church. Now, it's important every child of God appreciate this truth that the church does not belong to your pastor. The church does not belong to anyone. The church belongs to Christ. And he tells us that clearly in the book of Acts chapter 20 verse 28. Therefore, take heed to yourselves 
And to all the flock among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. Somebody say overseers. Now, if somebody is traveling and he makes you overseer of his house, you don't take over. Joseph had enough wisdom to know his limits. He was made the overseer of the house, but he knew that his overseership did not include Mrs. Potiphar. So when the opportunity came as a scholar boot or a scholarship, he declined it. Praise God. Why? Because he knew the limit of his power. You must understand that God has made us overseers. He says, every pastor must understand that he is an overseer. Every shepherd of a family must understand that he is an overseer. Every leader of a denomination must understand that you are but an overseer. And we are told how he got the church to make us overseers. He says, who has made us overseers to shepherd the church of God? The church of who? The church of who? The church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. When somebody forms his organization already, company, limited liability company, form it already. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, they form it. And they hire you to become a CEO. You cannot brag that you are in charge. Praise God. You are just a hired hand. And you have a responsibility to do like they expect you to do. Please appreciate this. And every leader in this church must understand that this church is not for me. And it has never been run as if it's for me. Because I got this revelation very early. When I was coming into full time, when the church was uh, uh, very powerful at the time. I don't know how many we were when I, uh, the Holy Spirit led me to come into full time. But I'm not too sure we're even up to 50 at the time. Praise God. And I had to come to full time. A committee was constituted to put together something that they will give me every month. I have never uh, been the sole signatory to the church's account. Not once. Not even when we were in Kofobia and we were one or two. Because I understand that it's not for me. Praise God. Christ owns the church. You must also understand that because sometimes when people are in church and they get offended... They take decisions and sometimes they speak in ways, they act in ways, and all they are seeking to do is kind of to destroy the church. Be careful because you are not dealing, oh, I'll show them, I'll make sure I'll bring their church down. No, you are not bringing my church down. You are bringing his church down. Praise God. And scripture does not support those, does not show that those who tried it at any time have ever been successful. Praise God. Somebody say the church belongs to God. Now, for you to know that he did not just appoint overseers. Again, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 28. He says, so God has appointed some in the church. He has appointed and placed in the church for his own use. For his own use. For his own use. He has appointed and he has placed them for his own use. It just tells you, you can't read the New Testament and not see that Christ owns the church. He bought it with his own blood. Praise God. Number two, the church is a people and not a physical building. The church, somebody say the church is a people. When we talk about church, the church is a people and not a physical building. The reason why during COVID we could fellowship was because the church is a people. This building, as beautiful as it is, during COVID, people could not come here. Are you with me here? Why? Because the, the, the circumstance will not allow it at the, at the time. The church is a people. Look at First Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 1. It said, Paul, apostle called, called to be an apostle Jesus, of Jesus Christ by the will of God and our brother's sister, to the church. Now look at this. To the church. Okay? Now follow it. To the church of God in. To the church of God in. And then he goes on to those sanctified. So he's referring to the church as a people who are sanctified. So the church is not the building. Jesus did not come and shed his blood for a building. Praise God. He died for people. The Bible says he has bought, you are bought with the price. I know real estate, some properties can be very expensive, but no property can, be, can ever be worth the, the life of a human being. No property, no matter how much. That's why people whose uh, value systems are warped, they are the people who place things over human beings. 
human beings and relationships are critical and more important than any material thing anybody can have value for. Jesus, somebody say Jesus, Jesus. died for men. In fact, when uh, under the inspiration of the Spirit of God, when Stephen was speaking in Acts chapter 7, verse 48 to 49, however, the Most High does not live in temples made with hands, as the prophet says. Heaven is my throne and the earth is my footstool. What is the house you build for me, says the Lord? And what is the place of my rest? Amen? Okay. Okay, if the church is not a building, then why do we build? It's not, it's of no use. Because there are people who actually present that argument. When we say we give and we tell these are the things we use. You see, the church is not a building. But over the years and in church history, the church has come to a place. The world has come to a place where for us to gather and meet. Because the, I told you that when we say ecclesia, it means a gathering. Praise God. A gathering, an assembly. That has to be done within a, 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 an atmosphere of decency. An atmosphere where people can feel protected and warmed. That is why we invest in buildings and property and all of those things. Praise God. So, don't just leave the church and say, oh, today pastor said the church is not a building. We are not going to build. We will build. <laughs> Praise God. Yeah, that's why, by the grace of God, we are going to start this building project. We build. Praise God. We build. We build. Because that is a vital means. Even in the early church where a lot of people ignorantly say, oh, in the early church, they were not building, they were not building. We are told from the book of Acts, after the Holy Ghost came, they had places of meeting. Praise God. Acts chapter 2, verse 46. Acts chapter 2, verse 46. The Bible says, so continually daily with one accord in where? In the air. They met under shade. Where did they meet? They met suspended in the atmosphere. They met in the temple and from house to house. They met in the temple. You have to appreciate this truth. The church is not a building, but buildings are important for the regular gatherings of the church. Praise God. When we gather together as people who are placed faith in Christ, we are the church. Praise God. And for us to gather in a very decent atmosphere or in a very congenial, peaceful atmosphere, we need decent buildings. And that is where the church becomes. Number three, commitment to a local body of believers. Commitment to a local body of believers. It's a must for every believer. Commitment. Commitment. Somebody say commitment. Say commitment. Now, commitment to a local body of believers. You can just, commitment to a local church. You can just make it. Commitment to the local church. It's a must for every believer. Every child of God must be in church. There is nothing like, I believe in Christ, I live alone. No. No. You can't believe in Christ and stay alone. If you are part of God's family, then you must be part of God's people. You are not God's only child. Turn to your neighbor and say, you are not God's only child. That's why relationships matter. Once you get born again, you become a member of God's family. And God did not just produce one, children, one child. He didn't produce uh, Ima alone. He produced several people, several children. If you want to know how many children God has... Go to John 3, 16, chapter 3, verse 16. For God so loved the word that he gave his own, that whosoever, that is how many children God has. Whosoever. Today, all those who have placed faith in Christ are God's children. The Bible says in John chapter 1, verse 12, as many as believe, he gave them the power to be called the children of God. Praise God. There are people who say, I love God, but I hate the church. That cannot be true. I hate God. I love God. But I just don't go to church. I'm a Christian. I don't go to church. Your Christianity is imperfect. Praise God. Yeah. The moment you are a Christian, you must identify with Christians because you are not the only begotten son of God. Somebody say an amen. amen. When you believe in Christ, automatically you become a member of his body. You see, and the body and the head are the same. Christ is the head. And you are a part of the body. So you can't take yourself out of it. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 27. Now you are the body of Christ and each of you is a part of it, 1 Corinthians. Now you are the body. Somebody say you are the body. 
Uh, we'll come to it. You are the body of Christ, and each of you is a part of it. So if you are believing Christ, you are a part of the body. Don't stay out of fellowship. We say we are having a family meeting in your locality. You say, I don't have time. You are staying out of the body. That is not Christian. Are you with me here? Now listen, you can be in church and not be in Christ. This is a quote you can. You can be in church and not be in Christ, but you can be in Christ and stay out of the church. You can be in church and not be in Christ, but you can be in Christ and stay out of the church. It's an, uh, it's, it's an uh, anomaly. When you are in Christ, you must find your place in the church. You can be in you can be in church and not be in Christ. But you cannot be in Christ and stay out of the church. Number four. Nothing on earth is as important to God as a church. Somebody say nothing. And I pray that the Holy Spirit drives this home very well for you. Nothing. 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 Is as important to God as a church. Nothing. As great as your career dreams are. If those dreams will not allow you to actively be a part of a church to advance its cause, watch it. Nothing is as important to God as a church. Now, you see, whatever is of value to you, you make investments into it, right? Uh, oh, talk to me. What is important to you make investments into what? Do you know the highest investment that has ever been made? The greatest investment that was made ever was the one Christ made with his life. He redeemed the church. Now look at a few scriptures. He says, you are bought with a price. In the book of uh, Acts chapter 20, verse 28, he says, shepherd the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. That is what shows his value. Purchased with his own blood. In the book of First Peter, it's amazing. First Peter 1, 18 to 19. He said, knowing that you were not redeemed with corruptible things such as silver or gold. Look at that, how he addresses it. Gold is corruptible, silver is corruptible. From your uh, conduct by tradition from your fathers, but we said, but by his own blood, verse 19. But with his precious blood of Christ, that's how precious the church is to God. That's why all over the ages, anytime people have risen against the church, God has always risen in defense of the church. Praise God. Even in our own nation, in recent times, there was one man who was all over the place. Recently, something happened to him and he has become very sober. Praise God. He was almost becoming an enemy of the church in Ghana. Now, about a couple of weeks ago, somebody sent me a video of him attracting some comments he made about some senior men of God. He said, listen, if you, you, you want to doubt what God will do to secure the interests of the church, go and ask Paul. Paul, Paul, <laughs> if you will be saved and become an apostle to the Gentiles, he will give you the opportunity to live. If you must die so that the church will be protected, God does not mind letting you go. His son died to buy it. Can you imagine that? His son died, he, his only precious son died to get it. And his desire is to save everybody through it. And you want to destroy it. If you alone, you have to die. He will let you go. Praise God. If you go to the book of Isaiah, he said he will give men for thy life and people for thee. Praise God. He said, since you are precious in my sight, I have loved thee. Therefore, I will give men for thy life and people for thee. God is not in the business of destruction. That's not his agenda. He loves people. He wants people to be saved. But his, his passion and love to see people safe is so important that anybody who come as an impediment in the way of other people's salvation, God must deal with them. Praise God. That's why Herod, go. When you go home, read the book of Acts chapter 12. What God did with Herod. When he started attacking the church and the members thereof. Praise God. Number five, the church represents God's family on the earth. The church represents God's family. The church represents God's family. Somebody say the church represents God's family. Say the church represents God's family. Yeah, Ephesians chapter 2 and verse number 19. You can give, okay, let's read this. For this cause I bow, okay. For this cause I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Of whom the whole family, somebody say, of whom the whole family, verse 15. Of whom the whole family in where? 
and earth is named. There's a family in heaven and there's a family in what? The spirit of just men made perfect. They are in heaven. And there's a family on the earth. Where do we find that family? Uh, go to Ephesians chapter 2 verse 19. Ephesians 2 19. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of God's household. You are members. You are family members. So the church is God's family on the earth. Somebody say God's family on the earth is the church. So when you get born again, how many people are not born into homes? It's only bastards. Praise God. Naturally, we are all born into a family. Even the bastard was born by a human being. And that human being belongs to a certain family. And so that, that child actually belongs to that family. All of us are born. So you cannot be born again and not be part of a church. Praise God. And number six, the church is not perfect. Somebody say the church is not perfect. One of the things that people have used as a strong argument to stay out of the church is the imperfections of the church. And sometimes they say it as if God does not know it. <laughs> they say it. They say, and this man of God did this. And so because of this, I'm not going to church again. And pastors took advantage. Because of that, I'm not going to church again. Now, God knows all of that. Praise God. Turn to your name and say, he knows all of that. That's why he will always be a just judge. Because everything you know, he knows. They call him the all-knowing God. The church is not perfect. And one good reason why you should thank God that the church is not perfect is that if it was perfect, you will not be part. Praise God. Yeah. If the church was perfect, you will not be part. Because most of the time, when we are looking at the imperfections of the church, we are looking at it from another person's point of view. And we forget about the many imperfections around our own lives. The reason why you can be part of the church is because, thankfully, it's imperfect. Because you are, you, your, your fables, your fables and fables are too many to be part of it. Look at what the Bible says. Look here. That's why I told you, the Bible says, it rises up. Let's read that again, because I don't have time. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members, built on the foundation. In whom, verse, uh, in him, verse 21, the whole building is joined together and rises. Somebody say rises. It's still rising. It's, it's work in progress. It's still rising. It's still rising. And it says, in whom you are being built. We are being, we are being, we are being. So when you come to church and somebody, I'm not sure, has an attitude. I'm not coming again. There was one say, sister who used to come around and I think she had a, a, a challenge with one usher here and that was it. We didn't see her again. Praise God. Whatever God was giving her, she left it because she does not appreciate that the church is not a perfect place. Praise God. Yeah. The church. The church. There's a day coming that the church will be perfect. But for now, do you know what the Bible says? The Bible says, husbands, love your wife just as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. Then he says that he might cleanse it. Huh? Cleanse it? That means Christ knows that there are issues in the church. He's cleansing the church. That is why we teach. That's why we preach. We cleanse the church. That we might cleanse it by the washing of water by the word. Praise God. The church is not a perfect place. If you like, go to all the churches. All the churches Apostle uh, uh, Paul wrote to. There was not one single of them that did not have issue. The church of Corinth. Envy and strife was very predominant. Sexual perversion. Oh, one of them was living with his father's wife. In the church. If you go to some other church, the church of Thessalonians, maybe that's the one you like. Go there. You will meet people who are so lazy. They don't want to do anything. They say, we are waiting for the second coming of Christ. Lazy. You give them work and they won't do it. Go to the church of Ephesus. Oh, they started out very well. Oh. But over time, there was no love in the church. You have funeral, nobody will come. You have wedding, nobody will come. You have, nobody minded anybody. They were just there. That was the church. The church of uh, uh, Galatians. Ah, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> He says, who has bewitched you? Some, some people have just gone off. 
You can't, you can't point one church that did not have issue. Every church. There's no church now. This church is not perfect. Praise God. And the one you want to leave here and go is not perfect. Praise God. So if, now listen, let me give you an idea. To stay in the church, look for where the word is being taught so you can be cleansed. Because if the word is being taught, he might cleanse them by the washing of the water. By the word, over time, you will see that all of those things you see are not. When people come to church, let's allow them time. Let's not rush them. Immediately people come to church, people want to legislate. They should wear, uh, your, your skirt should not uh, go beyond, go, go uh, above your knee. Listen, that is legislation. Praise God. And if you legislate, when she's coming to church, the skirt will be below, below the knee. But when she goes out of church, Monday to Friday, where she, she needs to be a witness out there, there it will just be hot pants. Yeah. The pressure you gave her on church for one day, she must relieve that pressure. <laughs> Praise God. We must allow the word of God and the Holy Spirit to change people. Am I communicating here? That's a church. So the church is not a perfect place. When you come to church, expect, listen. <laughs> the Bible says he's building us. We are lively stones. Have you seen a, a, a well-carved-out stone before? Stones always have rough edges. And the rough, we are being built up. So in the church, there will be some rough edges here and there. Somebody says it's a work in progress. Number seven, the church represents God's workforce on the earth. God's workforce on the earth. The church represents God's workforce on the earth. The church has a responsibility to carry out the mandate of Christ on the earth. There is not no organization that can do that for us. The preaching of the cross cannot be done by uh, MTN or Ghana government. No. Guinness will not do it. The only agency that will do it is the church. Now, please understand this. That's why if you're a believer, be very careful where you put your money. That a lot of you, you, invest, you put money in wrong places. Some social uh, responsibilities. They are good. Government can do that. Praise God. And other entities. Can't you see MTN does things for people who are this, uh, less privileged in society? And when did they put money that, okay, we have seen Bishop Dakiwad Mills, the crusades he's doing, he's really transforming Africa. This year, I want to partner with him to preach the gospel. Has it happened before? Guinness will not do it. Why? Because that's not their business. So when you become a Christian, be wise. Because don't be putting money. No, 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 no. So even when we are giving to poor people, you know, the Bible says we should give to the poor people in church, not outside. When we have given to people, people in church and finished, and we have surplus, we consider people outside. Praise God. That, that is what the, what, that's what the church is about. So when you are there and your greatest investment are in wrong courses, Rotary Club, that your name, name is there. When you come to church, we talk about tight. You say, ah, they are being legalistic. Rotary Club, every month, you put there and they, they remind you the same message. That is not legalistic. You don't have value for spiritual things. Praise God. All school students association, you are the chairperson. We say, join the choir, join the ushers. You don't have time. You have a problem. <laughs> you have a problem. Number eight, the church is the visible body of Christ on the earth. The church is the visible body of Christ on the earth. The Bible says he had put all things under his feet and he gave him to be the head of all things to the church, which is his body. The fullness of him filled all in all. The church is the visible body of Christ on the earth. You remember on the road to Damascus when Paul was going to destroy the people. He felt that he was going to destroy people who are walking in the way. But when Jesus met him, he told him, he said, I am Jesus. Look at that with me. Acts chapter 9 verse 3 to 5. The ESV. Acts chapter 3 verse 9 to 5. As he went his way, look at that. He approached Damascus and suddenly a light from heaven shone around him and falling to the ground, he heard a voice saying, so, so why are you persecuting why are you persecuting me? Why are you persecuting me? He was not persecuted. If you read from verse 1, please give me verse 1. Verse 1 tells you the people he was persecuting. Verse 1, quickly. 
But Saul, still breathing out threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest. But when Jesus met him, he said, you are persecuting me. Why? Because the head is inseparable from the body. Praise God. When you decide to stand against the church, you would think that, oh, God is in heaven. No, God is not in heaven. God is in the church. Praise God. When you have, and you see, just as what we do against the church, we do against Christ. What we do for the church, we do for Christ. Praise God. We do for Christ. Whatever you would have done, if Jesus was here in person for him, do it through the church. Praise God. Because a lot of people have excuses. And you know, the church, because the way leadership is there, things are managed, I don't want to. Listen, God knows all of that. And he said he's still going to work through it. He has challenges. He has leadership challenges. But that is the wisdom of God. He has decided to work through it. You can't be wiser than God. Praise God. So that's it. The church is a visible body. Somebody says it's a visible body. Yeah, it's a visible body of Christ. Colossians 1.18 Colossians 1.18, and he's the head of the body. Colossians 1.18, he's the head of the body. He's the head of what? He's the head of the, the church. Who is the beginning, the first one from the day? He's the head of the body. The body he's talking about is the church. So the church is the body, and the body does all the things. The head is there. The, the body walks, the, the hand touches, the, the leg walks, the, the hand touches. That's what only that the head brings direction. I will show you what makes Jesus the head of the body as we go on in this series. Number nine, God will always reward greatly those who advance the cause of his church. Somebody say God. God will always reward greatly. Don't sit in church and just be uninvolved, unattached. God will always reward greatly. Matthew 6, 33, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. All these things shall be added unto you. I like Hebrews chapter 6, verse 10. And I like it in the New Living Translation. Hebrews 6, 10. He says, God is not unjust. Look at this. He will not forget your work. Somebody say, my work. Ask your neighbor, what is your work here? Because there is something we are told God will not forget. Not your singing. Not your coming. He will not forget your work and your labor. Your work, he, he will not forget how hard you have worked for him and how you have shown love by caring for other. How will you get to care for other believers when you don't join the fellowship with them? How will you care for other believers when you are in fellowship? Praise God. He said he will not forget your work that you have done for him and what you did for believers. What you did for believers. He didn't say what you did for your hometown. You are building for your hometown. is good. But if the hometown is not safe, you are wasting your resources. I close with this. God will always protect and defend the interests of his church. Somebody say God will always protect and defend the interests of his church. He said, I will build my church and the gate of hell shall not prevail against it. There are things that will come against the church, but when they do, I will always rise up and I will defend the interests of a church. God will always, God will always, God will always, God will always. Sometimes I don't understand why some pastors take, make it their business to, as it were, defend the church for God. No, no, no. I don't, no, 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 no. When somebody comes against the church, he has come against God. So, if in your the, the least you can do is to pray that God will be merciful on him. Because if God deeds so hard, it may not be too good. So, to care somebody is a, is a very dangerous matter. Praise God. Yeah. That is when you have taken over the work. <laughs> you know, it's my, it's my house. It's my, so, no, no, no. God has a better way of dealing with it. Praise God. God has a better way, better way. You always. So please, listen. If you have people around you who don't have value for the church, it should not be you. As a believer, have great value for the church and teach people. If they don't know it, let them appreciate that the church is not an organization you joke with. This is God's bride. I will show you. <laughs> there are things when you do around me, I may not shout. But if you do it around my wife, you will see the other side of this pastor. Oh, you will come to understand that we are work in progress. 
Yeah, 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 yeah. No, 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 no. No. Unless a man does not love his wife, a man who loves his wife will do anything to defend the wife. And the church, the Bible says, is the bride of Christ. He died for the church and is ready to do anything to protect the church. Please, let's understand that the church belongs to God. Praise God. Let's understand that the church is here and he has an assignment. And this assignment is to make sure that the souls are saved, they are established, and they are prepared. Understand that no matter how hard you try, you cannot perfect the church. Praise God. I remember somebody walked to his office a couple of years ago, about two or three years ago, by JBD account, and he was telling uh, he was telling him that your church, the way your pastor preached, I don't think anybody sings there. <laughs> when he told me, I laughed. <laughs> I laughed. Praise God. <laughs> I laughed. Because that's not it. That's not the case. Who was a great preacher that, like Paul? Even in Jesus' church, Judas was there. <laughs> Somebody said the church is not a perfect place. What I want you to understand is that as you are here, the truth of the matter is that if you are fresh here, it will look like everything is fresh. Sooner or later, somebody will come stepping on your toes. And when it happens, don't run off and run away from your destiny. Remember what I'm teaching. That the church is not a perfect place. Bow down your head and let's pray. I want you to pray and say, Lord, grant me grace to walk in the revelation of your word which I have received. Open your mouth. Pastor Afuakwa has just placed in your hands the key for all-round victory, success, and limitless prosperity. Share your testimonies with us on 020-422-5790 or email us at embassyoflifechapel at gmail.com. Get interactive with Pastor Afuakwa on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. For more information, visit our website at www.embassyoflife.org. Fellowship with us this and every Sunday for our service at our headquarter church from 8.30 a.m. to 11 a.m. for our good news service. And on Wednesdays for our discovery service from 6 p.m. to 8 p.m. Our church auditorium is located on the top floor of Nanama Ejakuma Plaza opposite the Unity Oil Station, Santata Runabout, Kumasi, Ghana. Alternatively, you can join us online for our services on Embassy of Life Chapel, Facebook or YouTube pages. God richly bless you. Oh, no.